today, I'm calling an audible for our message and our sermon today. This was actually going to be the Bible study today, but I thought it was more appropriate um, for our sermon. If you have your Bibles with you, we'll be reading from Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 23. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 23. On the screen will be the KJV version, but I am going to be reading from the ESV. This is the Lord's word. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angel, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the, de- to the, de- to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promising self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. There is a question that every Christian has once they come to know Christ. And it's a good question. The quick question is simply, what does it look like to grow as a follower of Jesus? What does it look like to be a person where the world looks at you and says, that person follows a God that is not of this world? He follows someone by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. And this Christ proclaims that he has come to to, to save sinners, that we are to repent, and in our repentance that he will forgive. And that the basis of that forgiveness and the basis of that life is his own spilled blood, his own sacrifice. That Jesus himself is proclaiming, I am the center of your religion. I am the center of your faith. It's your relationship with me and my relationship, especially with you, that makes you different from everyone and anyone else. How is it that we as God's people can grow into, well, this vision of being his son's and his daughters. We all have a desire to become more like Jesus once we come to know him. But the battle is real for all of us. As we live day by day, trying to follow Jesus and to know Jesus, we find ourselves failing 
more than succeeding. We find ourselves doing things more against the Lord than we find in doing things for the Lord. And our flesh keeps sort of rising back up, telling us that if you knew Jesus, you would obey Jesus. But because you're not obeying Jesus, you must not know who Jesus is. And this train of thought in our minds, if we allow these lies to to keep fermenting in our hearts, our hearts will eventually go bad. And the deeper we get into that, the harder, not impossible, but harder it is for us to extricate ourselves to a place where we can finally say once again, I am loved by Jesus in my sin, with my sin. Jesus does not love me once I once I abandon my sin, but Jesus loves me just as the way that I am. And this truth allows us to stand firm in knowing that we belong to God. Justification by faith. The fact that God loves us in our sin and with our sin. The fact that God continues to remind us that the depths of your sin The only person who knows the depths of your sin is God himself. That God, by his grace and his mercy, does not reveal all of that to you at once. But God, by his grace and his mercy, reveals only that which you can handle by asking for forgiveness, by revealing only that which you can handle so that you can walk away from temptation but know that God loves you, knowing more about your sin, more about your past, more about your heart than you yourself know. That's the gospel. But there are steps. We don't want to presume on God's grace. We don't want to simply say, God loves us, Here's the lottery. Take your winnings. And for you to be left with squandering your winnings, with you being left more miserable with money than you are without money, for you to be more miserable as a Christian than as not a Christian, for you to be more miserable as someone who proclaims Jesus than, than someone who does not know Jesus himself. I remember in college, one of the first real conversations I had with someone who did not know Jesus and trying to persuade them that Jesus himself will give them life. He looked at me and he said to me very succinctly, he said, why should I become a Christian? You're more miserable than me. My Christian friends are more miserable than me. And I had no retort being a, you know, 18-year-old kid. And so there's something about not only receiving the gospel and knowing that you have eternal life, 
But there's something about growing in the gospel that brings about peace and joy. And this is where we as believers need to get this right. We need to follow God's prescription of growing in the Lord. And we need to do so with discipline and rigor to follow the spirit that is working in us. Now here in this passage, Paul describes to the church in Colossae about ways that the church is not following the biblical ways of change. He says here, he basically describes two or so I say three different ways that people are trying to live a better life. We're trying to live as a, with Christian values. Let me just put it that way. First are those who are Jewish people who really believe that keeping the Sabbaths and keeping the festivals and keeping the law is how you grow in Jesus. That simply keeping the Sabbath days, the festival days, and obeying them, and obeying them with rigor allows them to say that I'm a better Christian than you or I'm a better believer than you. Religious rule-keeping. Now, in this day and age, we see that less uh, than, than in, in my generations or generations before. But there, are, there will be people who will say, I come to church more often. And there will be people who will say, I read the Bible more often. And there will be people who will compare and keep a, a ledger sheet. And, and as they keep the ledger sheet, they will say that my religion, my growth is better than yours. But here's the problem with that. Once you make that as your standard of growth, you yourself will never live up to it. And those days where you stop coming to church for a while, instead of having grace on yourself and grace upon others, you will say, well, I'm going down that, that deep, that, that terrible road. I can't turn back. Because if I go back, people are going to say, why have you been in that church? Why have you been reading scripture? Why have you been reading praying? And I'm going to feel even more guilty. But when we miss the days of church, when we miss reading scripture, we're able to come back. Why? Because that's not the measure of our spirituality, is it? It's not religious rule-keeping. Which the church in Colossae were, were saying amongst the, the Hebrews, the Jewish people. The, the second is those who are more sort of um, philosophical. Those who, who are more what we call here ascetics, right? People who will sort of beat down the body. But we know the word like living an ascetic lifestyle, right? This is, I mean, this is popularized nowadays by, you know, that, that Japanese woman who says, get rid of everything in your life and, and just have white walls and just have one little table and, and just live a simple ascetic lifestyle. Eat the simplest foods that you can. Beat your body down. Have no temptations around you. And if you can beat your body down, you'll become more holy than anyone else. This is a, a, a common philosophical train of thought in the ancient world. And it, and it, and it, and it comes up every, every generation. This has an appearance 
a real appearance of efficacy, a real appearance of wisdom, a real appearance of 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 um, of promoting growth in Christ. But asceticism or beating your body down, self-help, whatever it may be, it may look like you're growing. The fruits may look like you're growing. You're less agitated, right? You're a little bit more kinder to people, right? You're a little bit more self-controlled. But they do not lead to growth in the Lord. Because your heart towards the Lord does not change. Your love for the Lord does not change. Now I think asceticism or self-help is probably the most common thing that we have in our world today that looks like we're spiritually growing, but it's not. In many ways, I liken it to a dam, and we, I think we've all heard this illustration. It's a dam, and it's starting to leak. You look at your life and it's starting to leak. There's, there's trouble going on in your life. And you're looking for quick fixes to, to fill in some of those holes. Relationship holes. I, I, man, I need to fix this. And I'm stressing out about where, where I'm going to be in the next year or two. I, I, need a, I need something to fix this. Man, I, money worries. I need something to fix this. And you're doing everything that you can to fill up these holes so that you don't go crazy. Now, in the beginning, it has an appearance of, of helping. I'm not saying that it doesn't. It's better to fill in those holes than it is to let the dam break. But to fill in those holes over and over and over and over again, eventually, that dam will break. So when we follow the philosophical traditions of our culture today, when we ask people for advice and they, and they give good sort of general advice about finances, about relationships, about um, depression, about mental health, or whatever it may be, that, that's all well and good. But you need to get to the source of why that water is rising so fast. And it's because we have not used the resources that God wants us to really do work on our hearts. There are times, and I'm not saying this, in, I'm not saying this is a blanket statement, but there are times that the dam must break so that God will build a new one that can withhold and withstand anything. this world may throw at you. The third is the over-spiritual. The third, the way that people have tried to grow is by, well, how should I say this? Um, where are we here? The worship of angels, about going on about details, about vision, 
Okay? There are people who, who, who believe that the, the knowledge that we have of God and his word is not enough for me to grow. Or the knowledge that we have the Holy Spirit living in us is not enough to grow. That we somehow need extra visions or extra revelations from God in order us, for us to grow in our faith. Now, in, in history and in modern history, this has been emphasized, especially if you're my age. If you remember the 1990s where people would often say, listen, if you do not speak in tongues, if you do not prophesy, then you have not grown in the Lord. That you need an extra revelation from God. And these extra revelations from God show and indicate that you're growing in the faith. If you don't have these extra revelations from God, you're not growing in your faith. Now for us, we have a, for us here at church, we have a sort of a milder form of that. And the milder form of that is, Lord, if you haven't given me 100% peace in my heart, 100% assurance in my heart that I belong to you, if I don't feel like 100% loved by you, then I guess I'm not really growing in my faith. I need to feel like I'm assured all the time by you. And for some of us, we, we, we try to get it. And every once in a while, God will show you that he loves you that much. But if you really are a, a believer in Christ and you keep growing, you'll look back on that face and you'll be able to tear that apart and say, man, I was just faking it. Or man, I really wasn't there. Or God really wasn't there as much as I thought he was. And hopefully that leads you into, instead of pursuing that, to simply pursue Jesus. Or perhaps you still are living that lie that you need to feel 100% close to Jesus to be called a believer of Christ. And because you can never attain it, instead of trying to grow in the Lord, you just walk away. All of these things, the, the, the Jewish way, the religious law-keeping, the, the, the philosophical teachings of today, or asceticism, the sort of the supernatural desire to, to have extra revelation. All of these things here in, 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 in Colossians chapter 2, these are not the ways that we grow. And in fact, if we seek these as a ways to really grow our hearts, if this is the base of the meat and the food that we feed ourselves, eventually it will bite us back. Because this is not the way that God wants us to grow. They have the appearance of wisdom. They promote self-made religion, asceticism, severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. No value. How do we change that? What does change look like? What does it mean to grow in our faith in the Lord? It's like, Pastor Young, you just took away everything that I, I mean, you basically just took away everything, Pastor Young. You know, now, now every time I read the Bible, I'm going to be like, am I doing this out of self-religion or am I doing this because I love the Lord? If I get wisdom from someone about how to deal with my finances or deal with the stress that sounds like it's, it's a little bit self-help, is, is, do I not use it at all? I mean, what, what do I do? 
go back. Because God himself is changing us. Point number one. When you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. It is the Holy Spirit that is changing you and directing you. Not your own wisdom or your own ideas. This truth about the Holy Spirit, for many of us, we're like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, so what do I do? Holy Spirit lives me. What do I do? And see, once we ask that question already, we're, we're going in, in, in the religious keeping. It's like, Holy Spirit lives in you. This is supernatural. This is beyond reason. This is beyond experience. This is beyond knowledge. This is knowing that God himself has placed his life into you and has given you a heart to recognize his love, to recognize his beauty, and to recognize that you belong to, to him and, and the covenants that he's given to you. We stand before the Lord in order to change. We stand before the Lord knowing that God loves us. And we need to stand there first. When you are in a relationship with someone or anybody, whether it's a friendship, family, marriage, whatever it may be, if you just simply go to that person and say, tell me what I need to do for us to grow in our relationship. Give me X, Y, and Z. And they tell you, here's X, Y, and Z. But if there is no covenant, if there is no love, if there's no um, desire to be known and to know the other person, there will never be a relationship. There will simply be rule keeping. But for us as God's people, it's first and foremost to recognize that God loves us deeply, that the Spirit is in us deeply. The second is this. Know that that knowledge itself shows us that we belong to him. You yourself understand and know that all of a sudden, when God has come into your life, when you read scripture, it has a different ring to it. If you want to see this being really true, I dare you, go outside somewhere, someone who does not know Jesus, open up any passage, read it with them, and ask them, what does this passage mean to you? Listen to their interpretation. And I dare it, when you hear what they say, you will recognize that the Spirit is not in that interpretation. It's just not. But when you read the Bible, when you have brothers and sisters reading the Bible, and when you sort of interpret it together, and you hear the interpretation that God himself loves you, and God himself is changing you, you yourself will recognize this is God's spirit speaking. Because it glorifies God. It demonstrates that I'm a sinner, but God loves me. When you do that, and when you see that, rejoice, people. Don't rejoice in, in if you're changing X, Y, and Z or not. Rejoice in that you can recognize by God's grace and God's mercy what is true and what is false. That itself should give you encouragement in knowing that you belong to him. Thirdly, and we talked about this um, about a month ago, that there is no temptation that's not common to man. 
Every sin has been made laid bare. But God is not an evil God that gives you a temptation that you can't say no to. I remember watching on YouTube or somewhere about this sort of psychological experiment on kids about self-control. And they put cookies in front of them and said, you can't eat this cookie until a grown-up comes back, until I come back. But there's no way out because they're going to wait until the kid took the cookie. They're just seeing see how long they can do it for. That's cruel. God does not do that to you. Whenever God reveals something to you, to you about how you should change to, to follow him, don't ever look at it as a burden. Don't look at it as a, don't look at it as a, as a test of your love for God and whether God will love you back. Don't look at it as a, as, a, as, a, as a task that has to be completed in order to sort of please some, some tyrant God before you. Anytime God reveals to you a challenge to, to follow him and to give him glory and to, and to love people, don't look at it as something like, oh man, this stinks. But look at it as, here's an opportunity for me to say yes to God. And to demonstrate my love for him. Here's an opportunity for me to grow in grace. Here's an opportunity for me to fight a good battle and go, not this time, devil. Not this time, old self. Because the vision I have for myself is not this path. The vision I have for myself, the vision that God has given me, that I will become like the son of God or the daughter of God one day forever and ever. And this is what I'm going to become. And so Go. When God reveals, be confident that you can say yes to him. But even if you do fail, even if you do, or when you do fail, don't be a religious law keeper and say, I failed once. And then all of a sudden what happens, what pours in your head is every time you've ever failed. And you give up. But know that God always forgives. God knows you. And just say, forgive me, Lord. And move forward. Now, I like a church that has joy. I like a church that has laughter. And I think God does. Why? Why? You should be able to laugh at yourself if you are someone who knows Jesus. You should be able to laugh with other people once they share with you sort of their struggles in, in a happy way, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good sort of way. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who you say, man, I just messed it up this time. I should have done X, Y, and Z, but I did A, B, and C. And you say, oh, forgive me, Lord. And they're like, yeah, God will forgive you. And you just sort of laugh and go, that's the most insane thing I did. Why would I ever say no to God? Why would I ever disobey God? That's, 
It's the dumbest thing I've ever done. You start laughing at yourself going, silly boy, silly girl. Let's follow God. God himself is, is always good. When you can do that to yourself, that means you, ne- you don't count your sin as seriously as you should. And then when you can laugh with other people in, in, a, in a good way about, let's just, pray f- let's just pray for forgiveness. Satan has no hold on us. Let's keep going with the battle. Let's obey the Lord. And the Lord will surely show up once again. You can change. We can have real joy in this church. We can have real freedom with one another. We can show our children that coming to church, it's not about religious law keeping. It's not about looking for a vision. It's not looking for little pieces of advice, but it's to come to know the Lord. And so together, let us lift up his name always. For we know that his love for us will never ever fail. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you are. We ask of you, Lord God, and forgive us first, Lord God, for the ways, Lord, that we have dictated change to ourselves and dictated change to other people. We've come to you with unholy standards, Lord God, and we know it because it doesn't bring change in our lives and the fruit is simply bitterness Anger, um, we just want to give up. But that's not the fruit, Lord, of knowing you. You are not a God like that, Lord God. It's, we are so silly to have believed that. We are so silly to, to think that's true, Lord God. So, Lord, not only do we ask for forgiveness, Lord, but we, we laugh. We laugh at ourselves. But, Lord, help us all as your people, Lord, to, to cling to you, to cling to the gospel, to cling to saying yes to you when, when those chances arise, Lord God. And help us, Lord, as brothers and sisters to walk with one another well, Lord God. And if that means, Lord, to, to walk a long time, help us to do so. But help us to do so with your gospel in hand. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.